0: really a, a pleasure to be here had a beautiful drive up yesterday and um, it's always an honor to be invited to share God's word as a guest teacher and um, really really want to thank uh, pastor David Ramsey for for reaching out and introducing himself and uh, we, we haven't known each other very long, but I really do feel like we become brothers. And I have a, a lot of admiration for who he is and what he's done in, in this fellowship. And uh, I tell you what, you all speak very well of him without saying a word, just through your friendliness and your warmth and the way that you uh, greeted me out in the hallway this morning. So really, really excited to, to be here. Would you please bow your heads and join me for a brief prayer? May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart be pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my Redeemer. And I pray that for everyone in this room this morning, Lord, that we could put away our worries, our concerns, our cares to uh, forget temporarily about the to-do list of things that we want to rush into this afternoon or that will face us on Monday morning as we head back out into the world. Let us cherish this time with you and listen for how your Holy Spirit may speak to each of us individually during this brief time together, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, um, you can mark them in two places where we'll spend most of our time today, Psalm 39 and Ecclesiastes 7, uh, both in the Old Testament, are two main scriptures. but. We'll explore some other things. What we're looking at today is always hovering nearby, but rarely spoken of. It's commonly referred to as the end of our life or death. Now, I don't want you to be upset or the least bit uncomfortable. And I say that right off the top because I know that this is a subject that many people dread. I shared this message about a year ago at my home church, and a dear friend came up to me afterwards and said that... Uh, when she realized the subject I was teaching on, she almost walked out because she just didn't want to go there. And I get it. And, and don't worry, you can't walk out because we've locked the doors this morning <laughs> to, uh, to have a captive audience. But she did tell me she was happy that she stayed to listen and learn. And I, I pray that you will too. What I want to do is use Scripture to take a good look at a Bible-based fact of life that we are all going to die someday weathercasters love to talk about the chance of rain or snow right and then and sometimes they're pretty good with it other times not so much the only forecast that I'm comfortable knowing will be perfectly accurate is that there is a 100% chance that each of us in this room will eventually die and it puzzles me that so many devoted Christians seem to be unsure about dying, afraid of death, some just a bit, others deeply fearful, don't even want to talk about it or, or mention it. I've been a pastor for about 13 years now, and I've had people tell me, "Oh, I'm not going to write a will or prepay any of my funeral expenses because then I'm going to die. And I always say, guess what? You're going to die anyway. <laughs> the Bible teaches that true believers are promised an eternity with God and Jesus. We talk about it. Do we believe it? If we do, we need to live it because that's going to be fantastic. It's really beyond our imagination. Yet for some reason, our human nature is to hesitate about death. And ladies and gentlemen, no matter what your age, it's time to seriously realize the clock of your life is running down. And this morning, every one of us is 24 hours closer to our death than we were yesterday. So to me, it's critical that we have a solid understanding of how brief the life we live right now is going to be. And and to me, our key is a clear understanding that we don't have much time left in the big scope of things, regardless of what your age is. So, welcome to a message called The Brevity of Life. In my first scripture, I think you have it on your, your handout, Psalm 39, 4 and 5, Lord, remind me, a brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. That was written by King David back when life was incredibly difficult and dangerous before any of our modern conveniences, medical advances, or safety procedures we take for granted today. Don't you love how they're all over us to be safe? Somehow we all survived riding standing up in the back of pickup trucks, and that's just <laughs> verboten now. Right? But, but we are taking steps and, 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 and trying to be more careful. Rare back then was the family who didn't lose at least one, if not several, young children to death, and many, if not most people, didn't make it to the age of 40. These days, there are a group of people in this world who make their living, spend their lives studying our lives, and we call them actuaries. They've developed systems and mathematical formulas that dependably predict how long we can expect to live our life expectancy will vary depending on our current age the year we were born our sex race where we live as well as habits behaviors practices that we bring into the equation a baby born in the u.s in 2021 As an estimated life expectancy according to the latest report from the National Center for Health Statistics yes I do a lot of very interesting reading Uh, (laughs) over 70 years for women it's 79.1 years for men 73.2 but it averages out to a number I'm going to use for the rest of today's message 76 years is the average now if you're 20 or 30 that number, 76, probably sounds like a huge amount of time. But any of us in the room, my age or older, will promise you that it's not. And the older you get, the faster time goes by. I always like to say it's like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it disappears, right? <laughs> and, and, and in large part, that's because of how we waste our time. And our next scripture, Psalm 39, 6, talks about that. It says, we are merely moving shadows with all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And the author is saying we hustle and bustle and hurry and we work, 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 but still we worry and we buy and buy and buy and then we die. And the next verse, Psalm 39, 7. Asks, and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. And that, my friends, is absolutely true. So why is it important to talk about death? Because Scripture says it is. David's son, King Solomon, who the Bible tells us was the wisest man to ever live, wrote this in Ecclesiastes 7, starting in verse 2. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Now, I want clear about what this is not say. It's not telling you that you can never go to a party or a celebration with your family, friends, loved ones. Old Testament scripture is filled with prescribed celebrations and feasts all throughout the day in the year. We know um, Jesus loved attending a good party or a wedding. I understand at one he even brought his own wine. And uh, there's, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with laughter. It's not saying that. Laughter is truly a gift from God. It's relaxing, it's refreshing, it's incredibly good for the soul. But Solomon is making an important point. And if we look again at verse 3, it says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. We don't use the term refining a lot these days, but to refine means to purify, to remove the imperfections. The Bible talks about refining gold and silver to make it more pure, more valuable. And sorrow, refined, used the way God intends, can make us better, wiser, stronger. It can help us to realize that we've got junk in our trunk. And once we identify the garbage we've been hauling around, we can start to clean out the gunk. Sadness about a death can motivate us To look into what we might have done differently during a person's lifetime. The things we would have, could have, should have done with them or for them or said to them that we never got around to and wish we had. The reverse is also true. The things we did or said that we now regret that we wish had never, ever happened. Most of us have attended funerals where it's obvious that the person made a long series of poor choices along the way, and the list is endless. Alcoholism, drug abuse, overeating, under-exercising, chronic carelessness in their health, lifestyle, or a series of risky, ungodly relationships or habits. Now hopefully we never sit at a funeral and judge the person whose life we are there to remember. Scripture makes it clear that's not our job. Jesus will take care of that but there's nothing wrong with us learning from that person's examples both good and bad and any death should help us take a better look at ourselves through the lens of scripture a funeral or memorial service should encourage you to take a deep and honest look inside your own soul to ask yourself questions like am i living a life that pleases jesus is this death my sign, that it's finally time for me to quit drinking, to stop smoking pot or using other dangerous drugs, to stop cheating on my marriage or to stop cheating on my job or my taxes, be more intentional about those I love, to rebuild a relationship that I let fall apart, to finally get right with God once and for all to finally be baptized you know we live in a region of the world where I know a lot of you were baptized as children and your parents did it as as a loving example but that's not what Scripture teaches us as adults we are called to be baptized of our own free will Jesus said it must be done now those kinds of things we just went through are each valid thoughts and most likely prompted by the Holy Spirit speaking quietly but powerfully into your heart Please do not ignore when those kinds of things happen. Uh, so many important thoughts could go through your mind at a funeral, and I've been to a number that have encouraged me to institute positive change in my life, funerals of good and godly people who truly loved Jesus and did their best to serve the Lord's kingdom for years. They inspire my desire to, to, to lift my hands higher, to reach out to the Lord and, and pray, Lord, use me in the same way that you did him or her. The death of someone who visibly followed Jesus should never bring us down, but lift us up. It should encourage us. When, when someone who truly loves and serves the Lord takes their last breath, I recommend that in our sadness, that in our sorrow, we should deliberately fill our lungs. Breathe deep. And just think and be amazed at the intricacy of all that is involved in that seemingly simple act of filling our lungs with oxygen, of sustaining our life for a few more moments, and how it works with the rest of our body and our mind. Their passing from this world ought to encourage us to realize all the joy that is around us, the the incredible scenery. You folks know you live in a very, very beautiful place. Not everybody gets that. What about the variety of people Jesus places in your pathway? And the wonderful blessings and gifts of children and grandchildren and brothers and sisters in Christ that we've been given in this amazing, living, breathing creation of God Almighty that we call our life. Every single day we wake up above ground should be a great reason to praise the Lord. And she said it a few minutes ago, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That phrase or something very similar should be the first thought that we have every morning when we wake up, no matter how tired we are, regardless of what we're facing. But we can't forget, every minute we're given on this earth comes with responsibility and we must learn to recognize the opportunity to learn something informational to do something sensational and to share something transformational about Jesus that should be part of our daily activity now I mentioned the average American has a life expectancy of just a little over 76 years so I'm going to use my prop here my tape measure as a visual aid and I'm gonna pull it out to 76 inches each inch representing one year of life now of course 76 is just that average we talked about anybody here over 76 raise your hand hold it up for a minute here be proud you you yes yes it is it 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 is time now we get back to honoring our elders, and, and don't let anybody call you old. You are now above average, okay? <laughs> now many don't make it to the age of 76, not even close. I had a good brother named Josh, Joshua Link, he passed away just a little over 40 years of age from colon cancer. That was totally unexpected. It's a disease we don't even start screening for until we're 50. He was such a good and godly young Christian man, faced his death head on with gusto, preparing his his two sons and his wife. I know many of you probably had Friends that that passed away from COVID or during the, the COVID shutdown, people way too young, in their 40s, 50s, 60s, heart attacks, strokes, kidney disease, taking way too many good and godly men and women, and even children from our church family, much earlier than anyone could have ever imagined. Car accidents are, are a horrible thing. Uh, we, 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 we lost two wonderful lives in, in Farmington just about a, three, four weeks ago. Just uh, visited a young lady in the hospital this week in, uh, in, in, in uh, critical condition. She'd been in a car accident with her mother. It wasn't their fault, but her mother passed away right beside her. And here's this 18-year-old girl heading out to life on her own. And I've buried so many little kids, as well as a lot of teenagers and very young adults. Sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, husbands, and wives. These are each precious lives. Now, of course, there are a lot of folks who live a lot longer than 76 A lot longer. I've been blessed to know a few who've made it to 100 or longer. I was just uh, out out in the foyer talking with somebody who just got to go up and and celebrate in Kansas for her dad's 100th birthday, talking about how beautiful that is. I had a wonderful brother named Bill Fry who made it to 97. Another very good uh, brother at church named Stan Farmer lived to be 93. Both of them were good, godly examples to me in my early days of being a pastor. And I mention them because all too often we tend to only think about the quantity of life as opposed to the quality of life. And these guys were close to the same age, but they were very different. Bill was pretty active right up to the last few weeks of his life. Stan, also a deeply devoted Christian, served our Lord in many different ways for decades, but the last six, eight years of his life were incredibly difficult, and he spent months in the hospital, long periods of time recuperating at home, unable to really do anything, go anywhere, couldn't even even care for himself. And I say this because We tend to forget that just because we're alive doesn't mean we're going to be fully functional and capable of actively serving our Lord all the days that we're still breathing. So please don't make the mistake of assuming you've got a lot of time to get around to doing the most important things in this life. So many of us make excuses. We fool ourselves ourselves or we flat out lie well I'll start to serve the Lord when I get a little more time in my life once the kids are older well when they start school after they graduate from college once I get a better job well maybe after I retire when when we buy the house once we sell the big house then I'll start serving the Lord sound familiar I'm guilty as charged procrastinate on opportunities God sets in our pathway. We say we're just waiting to get started or putting them off because we are so busy and I have to remind myself all the time, busy is one of the enemy's best tools. It fools us so often to think we're doing something important when it's really not. Truth is, we are often simply ignoring the call of the Lord and I know because I've done it. As a young believer, I was really attracted to the idea of going into the youth detention centers, into the jails for young men, and teaching God's Word. It took me about two years to, to get it done. And once I did, I was so glad. But I look back at the two years that I wasted. Very similar when I was... Um, called to become a pastor later in life. I was in my early 50s, and I argued with God for a year. Don't you know how old I am, and I've got this career, and my wife will leave me, and this and this and this. <laughs> uh, and, and we put it off too long, and then we're sick or deaf or blind or disabled. We tend to wait, and then it's too late. So I, w- I want to point out that you might live to be 76 or 86, or even 96, 97, like my friend Bill Fry did, but not be functional for the last 10 or 15 or 20 years of your life. Even through these last 35 wonderful years of knowing our Lord, yes, I got a very late start in coming to know Jesus. It's been a huge blessing to me but along the way, there have been way too many missed opportunities to serve Jesus that I wish I'd started earlier on. When we look at the scriptures about the brevity of life and the way that God desires us to live, the deeper meaning should move our thoughts from depressing to refreshing. And instead of looking back at all the mistakes we've made or the opportunities that we've missed, we should begin looking forward to all that Jesus promises. There's a lot of things we know are coming in the future, but we need to get started on them today because someday we're going to pass away, and it could be very soon for any of us. And when it happens, God doesn't want us to be sad or surprised, but blessed that he has kept us well-advised through our understanding of Scripture. There's a, a popular song on Christian radio called, What Are We Waiting For? And the lyrics are, What Are We Waiting For? What Are We Waiting For? Why Are We Wasting All This Time Like Someone's Making More? And I love that tune because it reminds me to think, When am I going to begin to give up my selfish desires and fully do what Jesus described as taking up the cross? Those who live by the standards of the world are going to hear this message about the brevity of life and start thinking right away about all the cool and costly things they've always wanted to do before they die. The exotic trips they want to take or the good impressions or big business deals they still need to make. But let's go back to a scripture mentioned earlier in Ecclesiastes 7. A wise person thinks a lot about death while a fool thinks only about having a good time. Is that your goal in life, to have a good time? Or are you working really, really hard, but for the wrong things? Are you busting it 16 hours a day for a promotion so you can buy a bigger house and then travel the world staying in other people's houses with the the Airbnb craze while your wife and kids are kicking you out of yours because they never see you during the week? Or is your desire to become well-known, a household name with lots of fame? Is that really what this brief life should be all about? And, and what's wrong with waiting until later to serve Jesus? What have we got to lose? A lot. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? A wise person sets their heart not to follow the rest of the world, but to follow and live by God's word. You're going to read that passage and recognize the very limited time left in this life and dedicate your remaining days to serve the kingdom of God. And I wonder how many of you here at Rock Springs would be willing to create on your own, personally, a Bible-inspired bucket list. You know, instead of the common thing that we, we've all been doing for so long, making a list of things we, we want to do before we die, climbing uh, Mount Everest or vacationing in Bora Bora, wherever that is, or, or, or buying matching Teslas or, or, or banking $10 million, what about a bucket list of things you commit to do for the Lord before it's too late? It can be simple things, but they're important. Things like, Leading someone to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, research shows across the board, church to church, nationwide, most Christians, the vast majority, have never led one person to know and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're afraid, we're unsure, we don't think we know enough. Baloney. It's so important and it's so easy to do. And once you do it, you're going to change your goal from doing it once to doing it a hundred times. What about just simply sitting down and reading the Bible all the way through from cover to cover? Or learning sections of the Bible well enough to teach them to others? How about inviting someone to church just once? You know, it was a simple invitation to me. Hey, would you like to go to church with me? That radically transformed my life 35 years ago. And I am so incredibly grateful for that simple invitation. And you have opportunities to do it all the time. And don't stop just because somebody put you off the first time or the first 10 times. Promise to invite somebody every week and determine to ask at least three, four, five people each week. It can be very casual. You know, it can just be, oh my gosh, we're kicking off this new series with Pastor David this next week, and Steve was talking about it, and and, and Pastor David's going to look into the same thing. You got to come and check it out. Just come with me just once. And if they say no, just tell them, okay, and then and a month later, ask them again. Be like that pesky little terrier that, won't, that won't, won't, won't let go of your sock on the floor, okay? Or volunteer to teach at Sunday school. Or, or commit to spending time daily with your children or grandchildren reading Bible stories. Or helping them, and in the process, you memorize Scripture for the older kids. That is not the church's job. It's our job as parents and grandparents? Or what about asking a person further along in their walk with Jesus to teach you, to disciple you in the ways of the Lord? It's easy. Don't be embarrassed. Just say, gosh, I I admire who you are and, and, and I'd like to learn more about Jesus. Can you help me? Can we talk? Or watching for someone newer to the faith so you can do the same thing with them. You can disciple them like the apostle Paul did with his protege Timothy. Or what about joining a prayer ministry or a small group? Or if there isn't one, what about starting one? What about financially supporting a young ministry worker or ministry uh, excuse me, uh, a young ministry worker or a missionary? This is the part of the ministry, I think, should be called what's in your wallet?" And why is it still there? Why not determine to give back much more to God to the church or a powerful ministry that you see affecting, changing, transforming lives and to give hilariously now while you're still around to see the joy and the pleasure that it brings instead of, oh no, I'm going to put all my money away, I'm going to hoard it and hide it in the ground, stick it in the bank and then they can distribute it when I'm gone. What about adopting a nursing home or an assisted living center, holding a little Bible study each week, or even just going in to visit? What are you waiting for? What is it that you are called to do? What's been bugging you? What seems to pop up? Oh my gosh, it's a coincidence. I've thought of this ten times in the past six months. No, that's not a coincidence. That's the Holy Spirit tapping you on the shoulder and saying, what are you waiting for? Let's go. And whatever it is you're called to do, don't be embarrassed to start small. When God sees you being faithful in the little things, you'll be amazed at how he will move you along. For me, it started by stacking chairs. I didn't know what to do, but I could, I could move the chairs after the meeting. I was pretty skilled at that. You can do so much more than you think. And our God has equipped you for good works that he planned for you to do before you were even born it's in scripture look for it this message about the brevity of life has become very personal for me about three years ago maybe a little longer now the Lord made it clear that it was time to leave my broadcasting career 33 years in my last job at kob 4 and about 48 years altogether in broadcasting so June of 23, I did it. And it was scary to walk away from the best job I've ever had, from the financial security, the ease it had given my family, <laughs> and to hear my boss, ironically, make a very generous three-year offer at a number I had always looked at as a lifelong financial goal, and, and, and to be prepared and to say, thank you, that's very generous, but no, it's time for me to go. And so it's done, it's happening, and from now on, my full-time effort will be in ministry. And I don't know exactly what that means. I've prayed about it for well over two years. I agreed, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it, but just show me how. Show me how I'm going to pay the bills. I've got three young daughters getting ready to get married. I don't know how I'm going to do that, unemployed and a, a traveling itinerant preacher. <laughs> and, and and I kept praying and praying, while I'm waiting, while I'm waiting, and I, I finally heard, it's like, look in the Bible, nobody got a blueprint, nobody got a five-year plan. You step out on the water and you begin to walk and I'll show you step by step. So that's what I've been doing. and I've been able to visit a sweet number of churches in New Mexico. You are my first out-of-state teaching assignment here. (laughs) Very excited about it. And I hope to be able to continue this as well as some other things that are that are developing and if you're if you're on Facebook check my page Steve Stucker New Mexico weatherman there was a post on Saturday that explains a, a, a new branch of, of, of ministry that I'm that I'm hoping to head into but I'm, I'm not sure if or how it's gonna work out or if this is God's complete or permanent will for my life but I'm good to go today and only God knows what is on the way <laughs> I always say it's one thing to be invited to speak at a at a sweet church like Rock Springs that you admire. It's another entirely to be invited back a second time. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see we'll see how that goes. But but I I, I have other ministry dreams and ideas that, that God is is putting putting skin on we're we're we're, we're building some things and working some things i i feel called to a good old-fashioned revival i i was just just talking with the lady uh outside just 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 a little bit ago who who became our first financial contributor to this new ministry and she is um very connected in the Navajo Nation and is helping me with a couple of things that I've already got on the calendar out there and a couple of things that I want to do in in pulling all the different ministries and churches in the area together. I see and I sense a hunger for truth in our world today, especially our young people in their teens, 20s and 30s. Don't believe the lies that we've lost those generations we've lost a lot of them but they are hungering to hear the truth and they are watching and waiting to see us living the truth to putting our hands and feet to work for Jesus instead of just for ourselves And there are so many people out there who've never been to church in their lives or for some reason walked away. I was that person. I was born and raised in the church and ran away kicking and screaming for personal selfish reasons when I was 13 years old and I didn't come back until I was 33. But it doesn't matter what I want to do or what I think I should do. I'm very aware that man plans and God laughs. Two years ago, December 21, I was shocked to be diagnosed with cancer. Kept it with my, uh, by myself, to myself, for a little over a year, and I only shared it with my immediate family and closest friends. My, my boss at the TV station. I wanted some time to process it all and step up uh, to the front for this, for this demonstration here. Um, I wanted to, to use the tape again to show you that um, here's, here's 76 years the, uh, the average, I, uh, at the end of the year, last year, turned 68. So that's right here. And I want to do this as I repeat a scripture we read earlier. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Now, I know some of you have. Or have had cancer, or you've lost someone you loved deeply to this wicked disease. Many of you have suffered greatly over the past ten years, twelve years. God has put so many people with cancer in my path, and man, have I seen a, a wide variety. A lot of them have gone on; they feel they're cancer-free, they're survivors. A lot of them have gone to be with the Lord, and I, I've seen everything in between. Hearing a doctor say you have cancer is truly a wake-up call. Amazingly, for me, it's brought me spiritual peace like never before. There's a, there's a scripture in Isaiah 26.3 that I pray almost every single day, sometimes multiple times during the day if it's a rough day. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is our rock. That scripture has comforted me hundreds of times since my biopsy. And Jesus has brought me peace beyond description. I have not asked God to take my cancer away, but I do ask him nearly every day to show me a way to use it for his kingdom. And never once, so far as he allowed me to feel sorry for myself. I'm tired a lot, but you know that's probably just age more than anything. To the contrary, I feel incredibly blessed, especially by others with cancer, that he has placed in my path to help me. And I know many who are fighting much more serious types and conditions, yet they've all been incredibly encouraging to me, both through their willingness to listen and the advice they share from the experiences they've gone through, but even more importantly, the examples they set. A man with great and successful ministry experience all over the world has become a mentor to me. been very blessed to have him just come to me and insert himself into my ministry life over the past couple of years, really struggling with aggressive, deadly cancer. But he calls me over to meet with him in his house. He sets up meetings with me with other pastors. He's designing a, a, a radio uh, series for me and, and, and has grand designs and dreams that are much bigger than i could have ever imagined on my own and a dear sister in christ debbie fillion has been fighting rare deadly cancer for almost 10 years now we've lost count of how many different rounds of chemo and radiation she's been through and at times the the treatments have made her so sick she has told the doctor no more stop i'm ready to go meet the lord but then after a while each time so far She's regained her strength and prayed and started again. But one thing Debbie has never stopped doing through all this is faithfully serving Jesus in a wide variety of ways. She still takes care of the little babies at our church on Sundays during our service, and she's a regular at the cancer center, not just when she's being treated, but as a servant, a volunteer. She shares and prays with those who are hurting. She looks for every opportunity to encourage anyone and never misses a chance to share her soul about Jesus who he is, and what he promises to do for all of us. Debbie was a small lady to start with, and she's lost quite a bit of weight through all this. She's probably about close to half of my size. Uh, My very first biopsy was very painful and caused a an infection that made me pretty sick for a couple weeks, and I'll never forget. I had an appointment to go see my surgeon, and I'm trudging through the hospital like a man that's 90 years old, walking, walking slowly towards the escalator. And who should appear around the corner with a wheelchair? But little Debbie. Oh, hi, sir. Would you like a ride after the doctor? And I'm like, over my dead body, you. <laughs> There was no way my pride, my, my manly pride would let me be pushed into the doctor's office by a lady half my size. But even though she's little, she has a heart for Jesus the size of New Mexico and Colorado put together. And she's been such a godly example for me Faithful, strong, steady, through all her ups and downs, the pain, the disappointment. Never once has she taken her eyes off the prize. She's focused on Jesus, and she reminds me to do the same. And I tell you this today so that you can do the same thing no matter what you're going through. It might be something far from cancer. It could be economics or with your job or with those in your extended family. Or, or, or things that have come upon you that you had no part in, or maybe from mistakes that you made in your past before you changed and came to walk with Jesus. But it's important that the world sees us living for Christ, living with Jesus every step of the way. We can't just be Christians in this room and then go out and act like everybody else. I announced my cancer publicly on social media at the beginning of uh, 2023, not to gain any sympathy or pity, but a couple things. I wanted to raise awareness of the importance of early checkups, especially we men are really bad about ever going to the doctor. And I went to the doctor uh, begrudgingly for something else. I was having a lot of chest pains and I might have some heart issues because my family has a history of that turned out that that was minor but I found cause of the chest pains so was something intestinal but in the process of all of that I discovered my cancer so I'm, I'm a big campaigner now of just go in and get a checkup men and women both I would have never known and it could have been much more serious much more of a problem And also, to take away the shame of a disease like cancer or any other disease, whether it's Parkinson's or MS or whatever, that we don't have any control of. There's nothing shameful about that. As a matter of fact, if we do it the right way, we can use it for the kingdom because my goal is to use my situation as an opportunity to uh, publicly share my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, while I still have time now all that said please don't 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 be concerned for me my numbers are all over the place they went down greatly for two consecutive visits and I can't tell you what a blessing it was to uh, have my surgeon say Steve I have no idea what you're doing to make this happen but keep it up and I was able to just to look him in the eye and smile and say well I have great faith in Jesus and I've asked him to show me how to use this for his glory Next visit, my numbers went up 50%. <laughs> and six months later, up again. And that's where we are right now. And it's easy to say, we trust the Lord when things are going great. My true test is coming, and I am determined to pass it with love of my heart and the name of Jesus on my lips. And I know that whatever you are facing, you can do the same thing if you set your heart and your mind to it. You know, I did not know Jesus 40 years ago when I came to live in New Mexico. So this has been a very special anniversary year for me. Telling others the truth about Jesus, infinitely more valuable than amassing wealth or any amount of fame or public acclaim. I was given a, a, a lot of attention on my thank you tour as I traveled around the state to different communities, and I was uh, given some, some, some really nice honors and awards That don't matter to me I'm very thankful for receiving them but they don't make a bit of difference to Jesus he's not impressed and neither am I and nor should you be all God cares about is my desire your desire to make our hearts one with his to live the rest of our days in his will not my will Lord but thy will Lord And I apologize for kind of wandering off to talk about me so much. I just am trying to use portions of my life to relate to yours because it's the same for you. No matter your worldly success, Jesus cares only about your faith in him as your Savior, your desire to obey him as your Lord, and your willingness to serve him as your King. You ever think about your own funeral? I told my 21-year-old daughter a couple weeks ago, I think I'm going to pre-record the service and do my own funeral. (laughs) She was appalled. But, you know, when we think about it, if you do, please don't be concerned over what we will say about you. All that matters will be what he has already said about you. And we pray it is something along the lines of, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your reward. What's your story? Your timetable to get right with Jesus. What are you called to do with the time you have left in this world? And maybe you don't really know. Maybe you've been kind of fighting it. Maybe you're still wondering. But I say, Be aware, be alert, and be available. You might not be called to to be the next Billy Graham. I know I'm certainly not. But it could be the the little kid next door who has nobody to care for him. It could be the person at work who is such a pain that can't get along with anyone. And when we look inside, we see, I really had no clue of what she was going through. When will you begin to answer the call to obey, to serve that Jesus has placed in your heart? And as we think about that, almost all of us could start with a list of a few simple or important things that we could work on along the way, day to day. Apologies to make, all of us have those, right? Forgiveness to ask for. What about a good old-fashioned letter? My handwriting is horrible, but I sat sat down and typed out a nice long letter to my 92-year-old Aunt Margie. She's the only living relative I have in my dad's side of the family to let her know how special and how wonderful she is to me and how precious she is to so many others. And I promise you have folks like that in your world. What about finally figuring out a way to block away quality time with the lord every single day getting to know jesus i could get caught up and get busy and man i've just been making myself to sit down and put away the electronics and to ignore everything else and to dedicate 15 20 30 minutes to just reading god's word and meditating on it and thinking about it and more important than anything else the opportunities we have left to share the eternal rewards of following Jesus with others. You know how He's changed you. How He's still changing you, because I promise He's not through. Scripture teaches it's a constant process all the way up until the moment we see His face when we are finally glorified or or perfected in His presence. It's important that we share what he's done. If somebody walked up and gave you the keys to a brand new Mercedes and said, it's yours, take it, free gift, you would kill yourself telling everybody you knew what had happened to you. Yet most of us, many of us in this room have been, giving a, have been given a free gift, much more valuable, through our relationship with Jesus, but we're kind of shy, we don't want to offend anybody, we don't want to be canceled, I write a thing called Morning Inspiration, and it's done Monday through Fridays on Facebook. We also email it out to people if you prefer to to receive it that way. But it's just an exercise for me that makes me, through my obligation to the people that are expecting it each morning, to spend some time in God's Word. So it'll be a a, a short verse or two of Scripture and a paragraph or so that goes along with it to, to explain it. And I wanted to share one from recently. It says, We live our lives beneath your wrath, ending our years with a groan. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to eighty, but even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is, an awesome, or is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. And that's from Psalm 99. Now I apologize to the tech crew that I did not include that. So if you were scrambling for it in the booth up there, that's my bad. But this passage might sound negative, but I appreciate the brutal honesty. Even though the truth hurts, I'd rather be realistic than caught by surprise. And over the past 10, 15 years, I've dealt with such a great amount of death, disease, and disability. Mostly through those I care for as a pastor, some by difficult personal experience with family members. I'm always amazed at how shocked we are by these facts of life. We grow old. We lose many, if not most, of our physical abilities and even sometimes our mental clarity. We experience significant pains and problems, and then we die. And regardless of your age now, odds are high that many difficulties are coming your way. So recognize that our time here is incredibly short. As I shared with you a few moments ago, this morning inspiration says, I've been blessed to have friends live into their mid-90s, and I'm close with several in their mid to late 80s. All of them suffer physically. Most experience significant pain and loss, yet those who truly know Jesus are a wonderful encouragement to all who know them. They realize their days are short, and that brings recognition to the beauty of each day and an urgency to serve the Lord. In your 50s and 60s, don't lie to yourself by calling it middle age. Who lives to be 120 anyway, huh? <laughs> the truth is, <laughs> the truth is, uh, not all of us are going to make it to the 70 or 80 referred to here. Too many promise they'll do things for God later and then put it off until it's too late. Don't waste your best years chasing the wrong things. Commit to giving Jesus his due all the way through the best years. He is giving to you so again I ask what are you waiting for when are you truly going to begin to step out for the Lord are you gonna wait until you're 76 to finally make an effort to do a mission trip to Mexico to rebuild that children's orphanage or to start sharing your wealth and financial resources with those in the mission field you going to wait until you're 86 to volunteer to go over to one of the public schools and teach reading to a student living below the poverty level so that you can speak into their lives and become friends with their family and eventually share your faith? Are you going to wait until you're 96 to generate the courage to actually learn how to witness to those around you to share your faith in a way that gives them the opportunity to obtain the same gift that you've been given. Because if we wait, it'll be too late. Things will break down, collapse, quit working. Our bodies and our minds betray us, and it's gone. As a pastor, I've come to see almost without fail, So many shocked when it's time to leave this world. We had two very recent, sudden, unexpected deaths in our family, 24 hours apart, ironically. Both men we love, near my age, woke up in the morning, dropped dead from a heart attack an hour later. Two days in a row we get this news. Now, I know that I focused on old folks, but don't be fooled. You younger people, please listen up. Mention the recent unexpected deaths that we had just 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 down the road in Farmington, and there's probably many, many more that I'm unaware of, beautiful young lives that were gone. And I ask that when you face tragedy, you don't go with a norm and ask God, why, why, why? I suggest you ask him, what? What? What would you have me do with my life? What, if anything, should I change? What should I keep the same or do more of? What would you have me learn from this? What would you have me share with others? Again, this is not a fear message. I do not want you to leave afraid, but determine to live your life for Jesus, starting right now. And if you're here among us and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, what are you waiting for? It's a process and it takes some time, but it all begins with you saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've tried this on my own and I failed again and again. Would you please come into my heart and be my Savior? Would you forgive me for the mistakes that I've made? Would you let me leave here today with a fresh start, with a clean and a forgiven heart? And Lord, I will follow you, and I will learn to do what you say. To wrap up, the brevity of life is a common subject in the Bible. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Old Testament We hear quite a bit about it in the New Testament. 2 James 4.14 is our next scripture. It says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life's like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. And even though we're almost done with the message today, I feel compelled to change the title because of Jesus. It's just a slight but very important change. And they gave you even a little, little spot on your handout to write it in. This message, the brevity of life, really needs to be called the brevity of this life. Because while I've pounded on you for a long time this morning about how short this life is, the next one is not. It goes on forever. And that holds true for both the good and the bad paradise and perdition, heaven and hell. Both are forever, it's permanent, unchangeable. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. And that is an amazing thing. And it's beautiful, and it's given to us. There's no mystery here. Jesus lays out the path to eternal paradise in a way that is Perfectly clear, we who faithfully do our best to follow his teachings and learn to live in his ways will live a life that is not only wonderful but goes on forever. Though we will die in this world, we will live with God eternally in the next. Now, two quick things before we go. This is not a message about salvation or being saved or going to heaven through works, through good works. We've talked a lot about doing good things for the Lord, and that's very important. No, Scripture is very clear. We are saved through our faith alone. But these two things work together in balance. Paul teaches we're saved only through our faith in Christ James tells us that faith without works is death. And they're not arguing arguing with each other. They're showing us that through our faith in Christ, through our love of him, we are compelled to do the good works he told us to do. It's all about... Loving Jesus with all we have. And he said, if you love me, do what I say. And what did he say? We all know he said to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to care for widows and orphans, to visit those who are in jail, to welcome the travelers and the immigrants, to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. And we can all do so much more in those areas. And if you're already doing those things salute please forgive me I don't mean to sound like I'm harping at all of you I I would look at this group and expect that a lot of you perhaps most of you are already doing these things and I want you to look at today's message in that case as confirmation that you are in the express lane to be with Jesus very soon and while you're working hard to do what Jesus said to do don't forget to take as many people as possible with you. Amen. This is not a selfish kind of a thing, all right? We need to let everybody know, not just to do these good works, certainly not to brag about them, but to let folks know why we're doing it. I've been blessed to lead a, a little organization, a nonprofit that I'm the president of, and um, our biggest branch is a ministry called Beds for Kids. We give free beds to families that need them, that are sleeping on the floor, on the couch, four or five to a bed. It was never my idea. I can't take credit for it, but God has done amazing things. It started with uh, a sweet little girl uh, in Shiprock, 12 years old, with spina bifida needed a hospital bed. Her auntie wrote to me privately, can you give me a hospital bed? And I was like, oh, no, a hospital bed. Who do you think I am, lady? (laughs) And an hour or two later, it's kind of like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, you could ask. You know that ask and you shall receive thing? So I asked. And God has such a wonderful sense of humor. The lady who had the hospital bed was a lady I knew. I was friends with her. She was already on the board of directors for the little nonprofit that I had founded for different reasons that has now become Beds for Kids, which as of last week has placed 19,000 people in free beds. <laughs> and, and, and I tell you that, not to brag, because, man, all I tried to do was stay out of the way. And let God work, and he has, and he will in you, whatever it is. So please stop and think about the importance of all this. Focus and pray, and don't stop when you leave here today. There will probably, along the way, this week, next week as Pastor David uh, begins his new series, which I'm very excited to hear about because I feel it's like such a great follow-up to what I'm talking about today. Tough times are coming. People are leaving the church left and right. People that were church leaders are saying horrible, untrue things. But we've been warned this was going to happen. And I don't think we're yet in the end times, but I think we are right on the cusp. And we are going to be attacked. We are going to be disparaged. We are going to be lied about. Eventually, persecution and pain will come, and it's very, very important that we are prepared and so we can pull together, but we can't just lock in and not care about anybody else. It's not serving its purpose from what our Lord tells us to do if we don't pull together and then go out into our community, out into our world to share his, his word. Please join me in prayer. Great and mighty God, thank you for your time to be with us in this room today through your Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you, through your magnificence, would overcome any shortcomings that I have in my abilities, in my presentation, that you are touching hearts and minds as we speak, that those in this room are thinking about how parts of this message resonate with them or encourage them or point them towards something that They should begin to do or encourage them for something that they've already been involved with. Father, we're all such imperfect human beings and none of this is intended to make us sound or or look or act like we're perfect because nothing could be further from the truth, Lord. But that's the beauty of this is that you accept us just as we are as sinful human beings, but you love us too much to let us stay that way. So thank you for that. Thank you like on an earthly basis if it was a good coach or a good teacher they wouldn't just let us go on making mistakes and doing things our way when they knew a better way to do it. So we thank you for inspiring us for coming to this earth to suffer to live in a way that showed us how it is to be done and may we all do a better job of that each and every day that you gift us with life in this world, may we make a difference in the lives of others through our relationship with you. And we pray this in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you all very, very much.